Tonight, the Karate Kid himself, Long Island's own Ralph Macchio, is waxing on as Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wackenheim III, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gansconi Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, and by Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Rafael P. Roman. When The Karate Kid first hit movie theaters in 1984, no one could have guessed the huge impact the film would have on popular culture. The movie was a mega hit and an instant classic spawning sequels, remakes, indelible catchphrases and iconic movie moments that endure to this day. At the heart of the movie, of course, was the underdog story of the karate kid himself, Daniel LaRusso, played by Long Island's own Ralph Macchio, and LaRusso's unforgettable relationship with the best friend he ever had, Mr. Miyagi, a character immortalized by the late Pat Morita. Today, nearly four decades after the original film, the Karate Kid franchise lives on in the popular Netflix series Cobra Kai, with Macchio carrying on his role as the now decidedly middle-aged LaRusso. Macho has a brand new book out called Waxing on the Karate Kid and Me, and he joins us now. Ralph, welcome to the program. It's such a thrill to have you here, man. Oh, thanks for having me. That's great. And I, I love the intro. Beautiful. <laughs> thanks, Ralph. So, so, Ralph, you start the book by telling the story of the first time that you saw the Karate Kid uh, with, a, with a regular audience. It, it happened right here in New York City, of course, back in 1984. Tell us, what was that experience like for you? It was, um, yeah, it was the first time I had ever seen the film in its entirety. So it wasn't like I had seen it a few times and then I went to an audience, uh, a, a public audience. It was a sneak preview uh, in May of, of 84. And um, uh, it was I, it's, it was the perfect introductory story to this, this book, how I walked into this theater and sat in the back row with the filmmaker and my now wife of 35 years, Phyllis, and we, we were dating at the time, we weren't married at the time. Mm. Um, and and watched this this uh, story unfold and this uh, this love affair with the audience happen right in front of my eyes. I always I talk about it like like I felt like I was in the last row of a of a roller coaster and you just see everyone's heads and 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 next uh, whiplash moving with each and every moment. And they just um, the audience just fell in love with this story and this kid and and the concept that this kid was played by me was this out of body experience and. And it was like being in a major league sporting event. Um, I mean, they 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 laughed with him, they cried with him, they they cheered for him, uh, they rooted for him. And in the end, uh, I left this theater 126 minutes later, a changed person as I kind of slipped in unknown and and headed out like uh, I described as like the Beatles leaving uh, Shea Stadium. You know. So you knew, so did you know at that moment that that your life, the life of the regular Long Island kid would be changed forever? 
Um, not forever. I knew there was something special on that evening. I mean, it was an evening I would never forget, never ever imagining the longevity and and how in the place in pop culture and cinema and around the world, the global impact, and especially today with Cobra Kai, you know, making that rele- relevant so contemporary. Yeah. Um, and that's why I talk about the book being equal parts nostalgia and equal parts contemporary relevance. It's really unique to have that you know to be able to tell the story the making of where the magic happened and how it affected my life over the decades and and where it sits in in the world and popular culture it's really quite uh magical and 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 if time permits we're going to get into all that especially cobra kai which i I think is just a special series but but going back to the story not too long before uh, the Karate Kid, you'd had a big part in the big movie uh, mm-hmm. in Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders, sharing credits with the likes of Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Matt Dillon, and Diane Lane. Right. Not too shabby, not too shabby. Not too, yeah, pretty so, good. so did the producers Did the producers of The Karate Kid call you up, see the movie, call you up, and beg you to be no, Daniel? <laughs> no, that would have been nice. Uh, um, it did happen. You know, I got the call. They were auditioning John Avildsen. I mean, the, the Outsiders was a big breakthrough for me. I read that book when I was 12 years old. It, it had uh, just a profound influence on uh, a 12 year old at the time. So having the opportunity to be in the movie and play what is arguably one of the better parts in Johnny Cade, get to say stay gold, which people uh, I hear every day on the street, uh, almost every day on the street. It's (laughs) kind of wonderful to be connected to a a film like that. Then um, I think that probably got me in the door um, when they were casting Daniel LaRusso. But, uh, you know, I went in, I, you know, I read the read for the part and that actually video clip is on YouTube of me reading with the great wow. director, John Avildsen, uh, who directed Rocky and the Karate Kid. It, it, that footage is me reading it for the first time. You could find it at a Machio audition or whatever. And it's intercut with Pat Morita's audition uh, first time. And it's really <laughs> interesting. You see the birth of those characters from the first moment we we read it separately. Um, you know, I had a good hunch after the audition. I write about this in the book because yeah. Avelson said, I can't guarantee you anything, but maybe you should take some karate lessons, which <laughs> I was that's a pretty good first date, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, but it took a, a bunch of hoops yeah, to jump. Yeah, they made you they made you they, they made you jump through a, a few they made hoops. Me jump through a couple of uh, uh hoops and uh and at the end of it, you know, I was awarded uh a role that uh, changed my life and then was a big influence on, on the world. It's really quite incredible. Well, yeah, to the point, I mean, you got the part to the point where the original character wasn't called Daniel LaRusso. It was called Daniel Weber. Yeah. And they changed it to LaRusso to fit you, to fit who Ralph Macchio was. So the question is, how much of uh, Daniel LaRusso is Ralph Macchio and how different are the two? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I talk about the blurred lines of Machio and LaRusso. You know, people come up to me, they think I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, and yeah. I my mom drove a green station wagon. I'm like, no, that's kind of not it, but I get it, <laughs> you know. Um, I think the biggest I mean, there's a similarity because I tried to bring as much of a naturalness to that character and and sort of understanding, you know, what he was going through. I added a little East Coast bravado to him, which mm. I have anyway. I have nothing to back it up, but I, <laughs> but I have it. And so I amped that up a little bit. And the biggest difference between LaRusso and Machio, I would say, and I said this, I write to this, is that 
Um, I think Machio, I'm sure Machio, if I got if he got his butt kicked by five karate gang members on motorcycles, <laughs> I probably would have left well enough alone. And uh where LaRusso gets right back in there and doesn't yeah. take no, he he yeah. he he pushes, he's a little more temper flaring, knee jerk act now, think later, where I uh, think first to my preparing before I get myself in trouble. But there's a much better movie with LaRusso. <laughs> well, LaRusso. <laughs> so, so listen, it's very difficult, obviously, to imagine uh, the Karate Kid without Ralph Macchio in the lead role. And of course, it's equally difficult to imagine it without Pat Morita playing mm -hmm. Mr. Miyagi, a, a role which he ultimately was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, the Hollywood suits didn't see it that way about Marita, right? I mean, as you write, almost none of them wanted him in the film. Yeah, Don't I mean, that's, that's the way I remember it. You know, I remember there was great resistance, certainly from the producer, the great Jerry Weintraub, uh, uh, he was, um, you know, he just remembered Pat Morita as the Catskills comic, you know, because <laughs> he came up as a stand-up, uh, Pat did, before uh, Happy Days, and he was on MASH and Happy Days and other things like that. Uh, but, um, and I only knew him from Arnold on Happy Days, you know, so I was just, I had that, that was in my head, and that wasn't sort of what was on the page. I could, it's, it's, I say it's pretty ironic for me to make these preconceived notions about Pat Morita back in the day, um, where I was typecasting him of what I thought he was until I walked in the room, met him, and it was just mm. instant magic. Um, but, uh, and it's kind of foreshadowing as I had to deal with my own uh, level of typecasting after the Karate Kid, you know, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the studio and and Jerry, John Avelson, the director, and his his casting director, uh, Carol Jones, was the one who, who said, what about Pat Morita? He came in, he read, look at this, and and they basically just force fed it. And as soon as they got us in the room together, it was this, I call it this, sort of this, this unconditional love that there was this give and take. It was a it was a natural cadence and tango that we had, uh, yin yang, if you will. And it just um, it was effortless. You, you knew that right off the bat. Right you, off you the bat. That the that's a that's a great question, because I think Pat and John uh, Avelson and Marita knew the speciality of what it was, if speciality is a word. Um, uh -huh. I just knew it was easy. It was years later that I said, ah, see, it just makes sense. It was so easy. So that's why it was so natural. Yeah. Um, um, you know, youth is wasted on the young. So I, <laughs> I, I, I had to catch up to it in my wisdom. Well, well, I have this quote that I got from your book. Robert Mark Kamen, the writer and creator of The Karate Kid, has said that you and Pat Morita are, quote, one of the most revered screen partnerships in American cinema. Yeah, that's and right. I think most of our viewers would agree with that. That's what we see on the screen. But tell us what the relationship was away from the screen. Yeah. Uh, I, away from the camera. Yeah, we, uh, you know, Pat, was, you know, he was a comic, so he had a great sense of humor. I always marvel at the fact that he could, you know, bring himself to tears in an emotional moment. And then and then we'd cut and he'd be doing fart jokes and and get anything to crack me up. And I think he took uh, great pride in making me laugh. And I just... <laughs> I always envy. I I'm I'm so like when I'm doing what I'm doing, I have to, and he quiet. I have to focus, and he would just he'd rip in and out of it. We'd uh, you know I, I write about the times we went to have Japanese food, and I'd always be only ordering the cooked stuff, and he <laughs> slowly but surely get me to try and venture out. And now, 
now that's kind of uh, transferred over where I am a little more adventurous in my sushi order. Like a Cobra Kai, you're always the one pushing the sushi yeah, on everybody else. Sushi, right, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, it was a special, a special bond we had. Yeah, so listen, you know, you also write about uh, the drunk Miyagi scene, what Pat came to call the Oscar scene, right. um, uh, which, of course, is the one where he where, where it's revealed to you, Daniel, and to the audience that he had been in a Japanese internment camp, that his wife and kid had died there. It was an incredibly powerful scene. Uh, but once again, the Hollywood uh, suit <laughs> decided, uh, no, they wanted it out. Um, and they wanted it out because why? Well, that's a great question. That's a, it's 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 so uh, interesting to me when I think back at that. I mean, they wanted it out. It, the movie was uh, over two hours long, so I think in the minds of the from the business side, is you want a movie to be an hour and forty minutes, so you could flip your screening times uh, every two hours. You know, more screening times, more you know, money in the bank, right? And it also Robert uh, came and you know would say this. He says, you know, the truth is, it did stop the story. The story was was on its way to the climax, leading to the tournament. You had everything set up, and then you stop and you have this very long dramatic scene. And when you when you write and paint by numbers, that might be something that you would say, "Why are we stopping this movie?" We're all you know, but it was it was it was backstory. It was depth. It was depth of character. It added uh, more. Um, uh, more weight to the climax because he yeah. was not only fighting for himself yeah. at that moment, he was, this was for his mentor and he takes, he sort of takes the baton yeah. Russo and goes out and trains himself based on that experience. And, and so I think once they started test screening it, then all the executives. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, by the way, you know, we'll get to this when we talk about Cobra Kai, but this is one thing, one, one thing that you do in Cobra Kai mm -hmm. all the time. You put yes. in the backstory, you put in the layers, and we'll and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but you write about your favorite line or favorite moment in the film. Tell tell our viewers what it is. Well, I get asked all the time, "What was your favorite uh, moment from the original Karate Kid?" And it's it's you know it's not the most splashy, it's not the most uh, um, you know uh, unique, but it is as simply said, it's the moment where Daniel turns to Miyagi after he gives him the gives him the forty seven Ford convertible and has nothing else to say, but you're the best friend I ever had. And it was um, it was one of the purest deliveries of a line that I've given probably to this date. And his response when he says, you pretty okay too, was mm -hmm. just another, you know, that that's just solidified. It's, you know, Karate Kid for all its, um, you know, summer movie, popcorn movie elements, it has those grounded human moments. And I think that's why it stands the test of time. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's the get him a body bag and, and sweep in the leg and, and catching mm. flies with chopsticks. But uh, <laughs> yeah. there's also that, um, that, you know, that human connection that's really important for an adolescent going through yeah. at that time. And I think that's, uh, and we, and in Cobra Kai, like you said, we, the guys who write that show really still tap into all mm. of those yeah. grounded themes amid the silliness of yeah. corruption. Karate in the Valley being the most important thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and I, and I promise we'll get to that because I want to talk about Cobra Kai because it's such an excellent series. But, you know, you mentioned this already um, in this interview and, and you write about it, that how, how you, uh, uh, you, 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 you write that quote, uh, you spent a lot of years scarcely in, as a scarcely employed actor, quote unquote, mm -hmm. most of the 90s. Now, to uh, to what degree do you attribute that to the typecasting 
of Ralph Macchio as the Karate Kid? I think it's I think it's multifactored. You know, that was one thing. I mean, I would hear that. Oh, you don't want he's the Karate Kid, you know, and, and, and so you'd get that. Uh, the fact that I aged slowly, <laughs> I still have a youthfulness about me. It wasn't that you wake up and all of a sudden you're looking at an actor that you not necessarily don't recognize. And all of a sudden he's a leading man. So that transition for me just physically wasn't helping that part of it. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I think it's a, a a couple of things. And, and, and also the sensibilities of what kind of projects were being made at that time in the late, you know, once I got to the other side of my cousin Vinny, so say nine, the mid nineties, um, and late 90s and early 2000s is when it, you know, I started focusing on writing and a little bit of filmmaking, uh, short films. And and so I kept myself creative and doing theater as well. And I'd still act on in television and such, but nothing broke through. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, uh, you can't put too much weight in it, man, you know. But, but you do write that at one point uh, you were looking to separate yourself from uh, Daniel oh, LaRusso. Sure. Sure. Um, did you ever get to the point where you regretted having accepted the role of Danny LaRusso, of having put yourself in a situation where you were typecast by a lot of producers? I mean, there might have been a day here or there where I just said, this is making it so difficult of other things I want to do. I don't, there was never a time where I'd go like, you know, I'm not talking about that. I wish I never did that. That would just be... Uh, uh, foolish. Certainly, as I got older and I start seeing the impact from of kids and adults and what that character meant, what that movie meant, and emotionally and and how it connected with so many people. The more that happened, as I got older, the more I started to embrace the fact yeah. that I am the chosen one. I got that, you know, I'm the kid who got the part, even though I wasn't a kid at the time. Which- <laughs> she does, uh, but you know, so I, I, you know, there, there were there were certain times where it felt frustrating but never like god i wish i never did that movie then my life would have been what i mean that's just insane i don't understand why actors all of a sudden say they don't want to talk about that (laughs) yeah you know i think um but it's very specific to daniel russo because he's such a heroic inspirational character in a positive way yeah now now you, you throughout the years you've been very protective of the karate kids reputation or brand if you will always trying to prevent it from being tarnished um, by mediocre or worse than mediocre uh, spinoffs and sequels. Um, um, but you, and, and in the book, you talk about one particular, because, yeah, and you got a lot of those. Yeah. And in the book, you talk about one particularly ridiculous uh, pitch that you got. I wonder if you could share that with us. Yeah, we just, um, uh, yeah, it's, there are, there are a bunch of them over the years. And I always said, no, it was very protective of the character and such, but, uh, and the, and the film itself. Um, but it, yeah, someone, you know, a bunch, a couple of writers pitched to John Avelson and I a sort of rocky karate kid crossover since John directed both. And like, what if LaRusso had a kid, he was messed up and, and Rocky had a kid, he was messed up and one from Philly, the other from Newark. And in the middle, there's this, it's so funny. I look at it now and they'd make that movie in a second, this studio. Like, Unfortunately, we could get Spider-Man, we could get Batman, we could get Wonder Woman. Uh, we could get Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker and they, they had lunch. They definitely had lunch. <laughs> and it's going to be great, you know, and, but uh, it was just, John just, <laughs> we just laughed it off and yeah. it was interesting. I always describe because the people around that table, 
some of them are studio executives and they were like leaning in. You could see them wishing it to make sense, but uh, that was kind of fun. To well, share. so, you know, you know, not all the, not all the stories that you were told, you know, that were your pitch were as ridiculous, but, but you turned them all down except until mm-hmm. Cobra Kai came around. Yeah. Uh, what made the difference with Cobra Kai? You, I mean, you, you, you enthusiastically, uh, gave it the thumbs up. What was it about that? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, uh, first off, the three guys who write the show knew more about the original Karate Kid films than anyone I've ever met. And they know every nook and cranny and they care so much about the characters. They had a smart angle in. The film Creed had come out like right around that time. And I saw how you could get back into the Rocky Balboa world without making Rocky seven um, coming in from Apollo Creed's son perspective. So that angle in from the Johnny Lawrence perspective was interesting. They had written a lot of younger, uh, uh, younger stories for teen, teen stories and college age stories. And I felt that the next generation part would be really important as opposed to just be the one-off idea and talk about these two guys in their fifties that still want to fight um, that, which still is the tent pole of the show, but, but you need more than that. And, and the streaming services the, the you know, 10, 15 years ago, you'd have to just make a, you know, a big two and a half hour blockbuster uh, movie. And now you could tell a story over, uh, five hours into 10 half hour parts each season and let the characters breathe and dive into the gray areas. And all of a sudden it became, um, you know, another, another angle to, of exploration to continue this, but, but I still didn't know the temperature of the, the pool water when I was jumping in and I had no idea it, I, it would be this. Well, uh, well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, as I said, I keep saying it because it's true. It's, it's just a wonderful series. It's a fast, and the thing about it, that makes it so unique or, or that that makes it stand out and makes it different than the karate kid is precisely what you just said. We have about five minutes left. So, so I want to get to it. Um, It's the fact that you, you delve into the grays Mm -hmm. that in fact, not just, not just of the two main characters, but all the young new generation of characters um, that are played by wonderful young actors, you delve into their gray areas. In other words, in Cobra Kai, there are no, there are no, complete heroes and no complete yep. villains. Even John Kreese, the diabolical original yep. sensei of Cobra Kai, he has a backstory in Cobra Kai yep. that, that makes you understand why he is yep. like he is and even makes you feel compassion for him. It's, it's, it's that, it's that complex. It's that layered. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that wasn't an accident. <laughs> no, that's all by design. And that's all by the writer's design. That was part of the original pitch as well. And then part of my pitch back was always, having Miyagi's character woven throughout the series. It, I, if that wasn't the case, I couldn't sign on because I would always allude to the fact that without that character and that performance, we're not even having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the guys were always on board with that. And uh, so it's a constant collaboration, but you know, yeah, Karate Kid, very black and white, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Cobra Kai is very gray. And that's, I think that's part of the intelligence of how to, continuous story but never losing sight of the themes and you know one of the the biggest revelations for me was the acting chops of of your co-star billy zapka my goodness you know i mean he's no longer not only the blonde bully in this and i say not only because sometimes you see the the blonde bully in him in the series right in some hilarious moments i gotta say this one where where he's walking through the school and he sees a little dweebish looking kid carrying a lot of books and he knocks them down. Yeah, right. And as he, he keeps walking, he says, sorry, kid, an old habit. 
<laughs> but but the guy makes you laugh. He makes you cry. He makes you laugh and cry at the same time. And I, he that wasn't called for in Karate Kid. So no. so we didn't see the reach. Did you know? Uh, that's how, a what great, a good actor he was. That's a great question. I you know Billy Billy Zapka constantly impresses me with his um, with his performance and the the levels and layers of depth that he brings. Uh, to it. Listen, if he wasn't great at the onset of Cobra Kai, there's we're not talking season five. I mean, you know, you needed that character uh, to to come through in the writing and in the performance. Um, and he he does. He knocks it out of the park. And and we have I still feel every time I watch the, the show that when he and I are together, it just elevates. Uh, yeah. the whole. There's a yeah. bit of that magic that that karate kid magic that mm-hmm. in front that came from that original film we must credit the filmmakers from mm-hmm. back in the 80s uh, they created that even elizabeth shu comes on or tamlin tamita yuji okamoto um you know thomas ian griffith all these actors ogs from the original are all knocking oh, it out and, and there were and we don't have time for it but there's some really poignant moments when the original cobra kai guys show up yeah. I mean, people got to see this if they haven't. Um, but, you know, the dynamic is not just between Johnny and Daniel. Right. As I said, the new generation of characters, it's they increasingly the dynamics among them is increasingly important in the series. Yeah. And I wonder what the feedback that you've gotten from from people like me, the old uh, uh, the veteran uh, uh, karate kid uh, um, fans think. They, about they, they, they love it. They really um, they really you know, I, we get a lot of thank you for bringing my childhood back or giving me my childhood back. I hear that all the time. And then I have, you know, 12 year old kids and saying, you know, coming up and and just like with big eyes and just like, whoa, and all of a sudden it's 1984 all over again. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of, and I write to that in, in Waxing On in the book, yeah. right to how that journey has been and from the perspectives and the and what prism you're looking at it from which generation mm-hmm. it all uh mm-hmm. very few shows or pieces of entertainment bring families together equally mm-hmm. and i hear that all the time as well so i just got two short questions left the first one is um, um now that cobra kai has completed its fifth season what's the future of the karate kid universe uh more spin-offs more cobra kai more something I else think- well, we're hoping for more Cobra Kai. That hasn't officially been uh, greenlit past uh, season five, but we're feeling confident about season six. The The numbers of viewership is way up there and we have more story to tell. Um, whenever that comes in for a landing, I hope it's, you know, it's satisfying to the fans and I think it will be. And then they're sort of, they're certainly open to spinoffs. I know the guys, uh, the creators of the show are talking other other concepts and, and um, you know, it's a right, it's, the, it's now the, it's the Karate Kid Cinematic Universe. So who knows where it where it goes? Um, uh, so far, so good in how we we've handled it and, and the response. Well, I, I certainly hope it does because, as I said, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful series. It's a wonderful book. I, I encourage all our viewers to go out and buy it because it's like going to Long Island, talking to you for two hours, and it's just wonderful. Ralph, we're going to have to end it there. Thank you so much for joining. Thank us you today. so much. This was great. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Bye bye.